Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. And plugs. Plugs would go here. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about a few wide receivers with a lead upside who are still underperforming volume as opposed to being injured or in other ways somewhat unavailable. And so they might be interesting buying... Uh, trading for yeah opportunities even if you're a competing team uh, with long-term upside even if they will continue to lose value because they're on team old guy also want to look at the cycle of running back production since 2000 and what we might be able to learn from it going into this offseason based on the career arc of running backs and also uh, the average number of players finish inside the top 12 over certain age thresholds and what that actually looks like so uh, i guess theme song do you have the time to listen to me grind take down the film watchers and learn some at once where the math's not adding up you said i'm checking it out i'm welcome to the ground so this week week nine million or whatever it is uh Keenan Allen just produced on the volume that he's been consistently getting instead of getting 10 points as he's been getting fairly regularly this season he's got more he got a lot and so everyone's going to remember he's pretty good and so he goes off the underperforming he has still got an elite volume list a little bit although he is still on team old guy so he might be an interesting buy this offseason we'll have to see how that goes However, I did notice still a few names. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, who was injured this week, and so he's kind of on the injury list, along with Mike Thomas, uh, or Michael Thomas, <clears throat> I guess, as he's professionally known. Um, but I did notice that Stefan Diggs is still a player who is elite, is getting his significant volume as he typically does, and yet is underperforming week to week. This week it was particularly pronounced with the Bills, I don't know, what that was but they did something that the nfl called football and sold it as a product i guess but whatever that was uh yeah stefan diggs once again underperformed instead cole beasley got all the targets instead of emmanuel sanders this week and got like 33 yards and 4 billion targets because he's cole beasley and but stefan diggs is still there he's still getting a significant target share as stefan diggs is one to do and you have to assume that it turns around for him later and so even if you're on a contending team pushing into the playoffs if you're looking for upside at wide receiver that has long-term viability because you know you're buying depreciating assets to sell all out and buy uh points essentially i think stefan diggs is still an interesting name obviously cooper cup is on team old guy but no one's really gonna not know that cooper cup is doing a top 12 type thing this year uh with his new middle name now being two touchdown cup 
Cup. Um, yeah, no one's going to be surprised by that. But I think Stefan Diggs is still on the elite wide receiver list with elite volume and is underperforming that every week. Despite what happened this week, because I pretty much just bet on what these players have proved themselves to be, and then if they're getting volume, I think Stefan Diggs is a really interesting name uh, to throw out there right now. And I forgot to really highlight Keenan Allen as much as I probably should have, um, and Mike Evans as well, just before he got back to scoring points. And so I thought I'd make sure I'd do that this week. Uh, yeah, um, going to deal with week nine and everything that's recently happening in the NFL in the middle of the week podcast with Dynasty Outhow because it streams to YouTube and Twitch and other places and um, because that's where I'm dealing with that stuff and keeping the crossroads more broad more holistic because that's what I am want and like to do and so what I've been digging into more and more is trying to look at the age curves as you would as you will as someone will um of running backs and trying to prepare for these guys are old but still elite so what do we do 2021 offseason as I believe it's going to be right now the top three dynasty running backs for this season as we mentioned I think uh, uh Najee Harris um what did I say I said Avon Kamara and I also said there's a third there's a third guy in there I think I put Swift in there who could also be on the top three dynasty running backs uh more generally pro, uh, and broadly um we talked about it in the Discord a little bit, and they were asking why wasn't Jonathan Taylor on that list, and essentially it's at the time, um, although we'll have to see what his mega week does to those numbers, he's getting a slightly lower, we're talking about elite level usage, so it's not significant, but if you have to draw the line somewhere, those three running backs are getting over 20% of their team's expected points, um, and also um, they were getting over, what was it, it was a 18 expected point threshold, so they were getting a significant share of the team's offense, so you could expect a slightly higher probability that they get more usage of whatever the team is doing each week, and also they were getting a, a significant threshold of expected points, so actual touches or the value of those touches, and um, and the simple reason why that is in terms of the value is because Jonathan Taylor is doing it more with rushing attempts and Swift was doing it slightly more with targets and targets that have slightly more value or significantly more value when you're looking at PPR scoring as I typically do when I'm just doing standard analysis. So that's why Jonathan Taylor kind of got cut off into that second thick group of running backs we definitely want and probably come at a better price. Um, but obviously now no one's going to be forward. Nick Chubb also did a similar thing uh, today as well instead of Thursday um, to remind us all that he can also put up multiple touchdowns and over 100, what was it, 100 million rushing yards or so. Um, and he's someone that's very much in the old running back category with elite level upside. Um, and that led me once again to dig back into the research. I've been trying to prepare mostly for this offseason, but I tried to get into it a little more. more. And so what I did is I re-downloaded and Instead of going to the seasonal database and PPR points and games and stuff uh, for every position since 2000 from Rotoviz, and I was just looking at the average age of players um, year over year inside the top 12, and then I broke it down into a points per game. Um, top 12 and I eliminated anyone who didn't play at least eight games that season because eight games is around about where points per game becomes significantly more predictive in fact you can use a slightly lower threshold at the NFL level but I'm used to using at least eight games because college stats require at least eight actually they require at least 12 which is why per game numbers don't 
particularly help out with college analysis, but whatever, I use a, a baseline eight um, just as default, so that's what I use. So what we're looking at is the age and number of players over a certain age in points per game and in PPR scoring if you remove everyone that didn't play at least eight games in those seasons, just in case you're a big nerd like me and you kind of want to know what why Mike Davis isn't included in the list. That's essentially why we include um, Christian McCaffrey instead of Mike Davis last year because of the points per game threshold instead of the overall PPR scoring uh, using that eight game threshold to kick out anyone who didn't play enough. All right. So what do I see? Interestingly enough, running back does have the most interesting and unique pattern. It waves and it definitely cycles as new classes coming in, and it's actually very distinct if you look at the data since 2000. This is not uncommon or unknown, I'm not breaking new ground, but it is nice to see that the numbers still hold up if you uh, redo everything. Wybrissy, for example, uh, averages about six players inside the top 12 over the age of 26. We've talked about this before. Young wide receivers are great for value, but old guys or guys in the prime of their careers from age 25 to 29 or so are actually where most of the points are coming from and 2021 despite being a great year for dynasty players because we love young players and we're getting two good draft classes back to back and I definitely think that will help us forget the pain of the majority of draft classes that are nowhere near this good or at least near this good in terms of production early in their career. Um, which will also feed into what happens this offseason. But um, even then, it's a lot of old players are actually producing. For example, inside the top 12 in 2021, we've got five quarterbacks over the age of 26, but, you know, what else is new? Tom Brady exists. We've also got four running backs, five wide receivers, and four tight ends, and that conforms pretty closely to the average since 2000. Now, obviously, you do get patterns and changes, and we're looking at different players year over year as well, and because we're looking at actual performance, uh, ruling out anyone who didn't play eight games, and so we're not talking about the exact same players but it is notable that it is fairly consistent that inside the top 12 and we've talked about this before most of them are over the age of 26 in fact most of them are over the age of 27 but we really don't need to get into that right now it's just that it's actually fairly consistent you have two or three years in this 20 year sample size where you have fewer than five like just a couple years, and they just look like oddities. Whereas at running back, you're basically literally looking at a, well, depending on how you orient your table, you're looking at a sideways ocean. The average number of running backs over the age of 26 inside the top 12 in this points per game calculation and PPR scoring is around 3.6. It's around half the number on average inside the top 12 of actual players producing significant fantasy significant points per game because we're kicking out just the overall PPR scoring. So that's the first thing to note. That's about half as relevant for players over the age of 26. But this young running back production thing can be exaggerated, especially in Dynasty where we have a predilection for going for young players. And I think we're very much on the cusp of doing that going into the 2021 offseason because old guys are still the ones who continue to produce it's not so much that old players stop producing so much as running back career arcs relatively shorter because they get 
injured and they also often don't get that second contract. But, for example, let's break into this a little further and look at running back points per game. From the years 2000 to 2005, you can see a strong inclination towards the age of the top 12 running backs increasing from age 25-26 and 2000-2001 all the way up to the average age being around 27. Then it jump cuts all the way to 2006 when it drops back to 25 years old being the average age of those in the top 12 and all the way up to 2009 where it remains pretty much stable at 25 years old instead of continuing to increase and actually between the years 2009 and 2014 you have a relatively stable average age of the top 12 actual producers for fantasy and PPR scoring now if you remember that era at all and I definitely remember the tail era era of it it's because the top 12 are remarkably difficult to predict not just because of age and not because of age but because of injury and because of a lack of stable true elite tier um, running back production in that era and also you've got several young running backs like Le'Veon Bell emerging and having season after season of elite production from ages just 22 to around 27 with one injury year in between dragging the whole overall average down it was a relatively unstable in that regard uh, patent the age production of running backs but then we hit um, 2013 2014 2015 and the average age tends to increase and if you go back and look and remember who those running backs were it's because that that, that elite tier the Le'Veon Bell tier was beginning to age and yet continuing to produce actually if you give me a second I'm just gonna just gonna scan over because I've forgotten some of the names click click Clickety click 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 click. Okay, 2015, you have the likes of Adrian Peterson, that one PPR running back that just always goes off. Danny Woodhood, Danny Woodhead. You've also got Matt Forte, Arian Foster, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy. Those are the elite players. Now, going into 2016, you still have a lot. LaShawn McCoy there but if I ever remember 2016 was an injury year for Arian Foster and Adrian Peterson drops out of the top 12 in actual production can't quite remember why but he's gone 2017 LaShawn McCoy is still there Mark Ingram rises up to the into the top 12 really for the second time because he also did it in 2016 david johnson the david johnson has that amazing uh season in 2017 to make us re-believe in lower drafted running backs and Le'Veon bell is finally back on the block after missing 2016 and uh, well no he was in he was in the top 12 in 2016 as well he was remarkably consistent year over year especially in terms of points per game threshold 2018 you move on david johnson finishes as the running back 11 and 9 overall depending on if you're looking at PPR scoring or points per game scoring with that threshold you've got that PPR running back in James White Melvin Gordon Todd Gurley and we think we're seeing a new burgeoning era but where I'm talking about much more relevant players you can probably remember their career arcs a little better especially what happened with Todd Gurley with some weird usage and then some injury concerns and then a trade randomly after a big contract signing but you do have Ezekiel Elliott coming into the league and doing exactly what he did at 23 years old and it looks like we've got a young new young burgeoning class Alvin Kamara is in there Ah, so skip back over to my age progression here and this is the rise from 2006 to 2021 which is right now so we had a few running backs that did start to remain elite and remain in the top 12 between 2011 ish to 2015 but there were some hiccups along the way and 
But you did say that rise of an elite class again after a few years between 2005 and 2009 when it kind of went back and forth. And because of injuries and, and, of it, uh, and a lack of availability, there was a stability to that, top tw- to that top 25 average age. Why am I going over this? Because this one little period in between is the only thing that stops that perfect wave. It actually doesn't stop if you look at the count of players over the age of 26. But if you look at the average age of players inside the top 12, there's a this remarkable um, stability to, to those years. And so I actually dug back through it a little bit to try and find out why. And very quickly, obviously, that's essentially the story. Anyway, from 2015, that when we crest again in age, and so the average age of the top 12 producers is around 26 again, and the little box starts to become more red for the first time since 2005, it drops all the way back down into 2016 to age 24. And then that gradually migrates up. The Ezekiel Elliott and, Amar- and Alvin Kamara class begin taking over from Le'Veon Bell's period and now we're into 2021 for where the first time since 2015 the average age of the top 12 running backs this year is 25 again all right so that's where we are on this third wave over the last 20 years or so of elite classes coming in and earning the elite volume and then maintaining production now, those like Todd Gurley and uh, not Ezekiel because he's back and inside the top 12 this year, but Todd Gurley and a few others make us nervous and think we can apply this holistic age curve directly to individual players. And hopefully after reminding you of some of those names, you can see that it doesn't necessarily quite work like that. Elite players work their way into their roles and then continue to reduce an elite top 12 points per game upside until something like an injury or a trade happens and the specific individual context of that running back's career tails off. Aaron Foster just essentially leaves the game. Le'Veon Bell has an incredible number of top three seasons before holding out um, and then going to another team and then going to another team and his career peters out. But um, those who remain and keep producing and stay on the same team tend to still be really good players. We're seeing that with Melvin Gordon right now with Javante Williams right behind him. Javante Williams is good enough that they're splitting the work, but Melvin Gordon isn't going anywhere. He's one of that class that we were just talking about that rose up between 2016 and now, and he is still that level of player, certainly in terms of earning, however much a running back can earn their volume, and producing on the volume that he gets. It's not why is old fuddy-duddy Melvin Gordon staying around, it's because he has always been here, or he's been here through this era, and expecting him to just be bad now because of his age is trying to apply this holistic view of the age regression onto an individual player's career, when if you actually dig back through it, that's not actually what happens. Players don't become bad because age curve, it just gives us a relatively good understanding of the progression of a running back's career arc, and Melvin Gordon just hasn't succumbed to life events and uh, an injury, and so there's no reason to expect him to be bad now. The touch threshold, the age threshold for running back career or running back ability is as much a myth as it is for wide receivers players are still good as long as they are still capable to be on the field and perform there's no i touched the ball one too many times and now i suddenly don't know how to juke or the loss of the must my knees just fell off because i turned 27 actually doesn't seem to happen it 
although it can eventually for running back and the, the risk of injury is much higher, but not necessarily significantly higher because of your increase in age. I think that's a holistic trend overly exaggerating what we understand of the players. And why is that relevant? Because we have hit that average age of 25. The elite running backs right now feel like those old guys in the league. But if you date back through these cycles, those who may stay on the team and are healthy to start the season should probably be expected to maintain elite usage and produce fantasy significant points per game, like with Melvin Gordon, uh, like with uh, Christian McCaffrey, who's now back on the field. He's one of those guys who is around 25 and turning this age curve back into uh, that peak of 20, well, not that peak, but that progressive age of the average 12 being age uh, being 25. In fact, I, I, I don't even know what this calculation did to 2021. Who's actually in it? Uh, Cordell Patterson. Nice. Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, Jordan Howard is technically 11th overall in points per game, and he's played more than eight games this season. That doesn't seem right. Hang on. Well, of course, 2021 doesn't can't use an eight-game threshold. We've only played nine games, you idiot. Okay, adjusting that down and getting an accurate list for 2021. Everything else was accurate, thankfully. But 2021's list needs adjusting. Here we go. Cordero Patterson, Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, obviously. Uh, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, Daryl Henderson, hat tip, uh, Najee Harris, uh, DeAndre Swift, and Jonathan Taylor, uh, which actually brings the number of running backs over the age of 26 inside the top 12 in that point per game scoring to three exactly the same it's just a different three players and the average age of players is still 25.3 ha i'm right still always right perpetually right anyway so where was i yeah all right so here's what i'm essentially saying Elite players don't stop being elite just because they go over that holistic age threshold. Instead, what the holistic age threshold is telling us is that there is waves of production depending on new elite classes coming in and taking over those roles. As long as that doesn't happen, those elite players are still going to be around in the league and outside of injury, which is a higher risk, higher risk of running back than most other positions, they are going to keep performing which means players like Christian McCaffrey and Derek Henry may well be undervalued in Dynasty because of that age curve, which doesn't necessarily directly apply to them outside of the regular risk for running backs getting re-injured. And unless 2022 is a new coming of uh, an Ezekiel Elliott, which the RB1 in this class is probably going to be heralded as because there is now space for it, at least in terms of our headspace, because the average age of running backs getting slightly older in that elite tier group. And those players are still going to be around, is essentially what I'm telling you, um, and essentially what the history of this production is actually saying. Running backs who are elite remain elite over the age threshold. Now, the problem with it is, or not the problem, but the aspect that is still very much in play is that their dynasty value is pretty much already tanked. And that's true for Christian McCaffrey and Derek Henry, even though Derek Henry's, uh, actually Derek Henry's 27 years old. People are going to feel very comfortable being upset about him, especially because of his number of touches, which again, I literally don't think makes any difference. But uh, Christian McCaffrey's also going to get dinged because what is he, 25 years old now? I actually have to look that up. 
Yeah, he's 25 years old now. He's he's right in that middle of that tier. Saquon Barkley, who didn't even make the list because he hasn't played enough games this year, uh, is going to be 24 years old. These are not the types of running backs we should really be concerned about in terms of their age anyway. But because that elite class is starting to feel old and that holistic trend tells us to be scared of old running backs, we want running backs in the come-up, especially in terms of value, and... then I think it's going to happen this offseason. I really do. I think these guys, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, even Alvin Kamara, are, going to be, are definitely going to reduce in value and going to start being the running backs to target because they have that elite points per game threshold outside of the risk of injury, which is literally a risk for any running back, no matter how old they are. And that's where my head is at in terms of drafts. I'm doing a DLF mock draft right now. And, of course, my team looks like uh, recency uh, bias personified because that's kind of kind of the way I roll and but I'm really kind of surprised with the way it came together I don't normally take running backs as early as I did in this mock and I don't normally like my team as well as I do when I take running backs so early but my team is currently Derek Henry Aaron Jones because I took them in rounds two and three because they're falling a little bit again because of the age crisis that happens in Dynasty so my wide receivers must suck, right? The problem is I have Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, Michael Thomas on that team all guy list himself. And I followed it up with Noah Fant just because I could um, in round seven or eight, I think it was. So yeah, my, my team's kind of kicking it with two elite tier running backs whose production shouldn't fall off. The value's definitely dead, but I, I'm, we're still able to grab a lot of young players that have plenty of value. Now granted, this is a mark where no one's playing it out, and it's just one mark as well, and we have a long way to go before the offseason gets here. Everyone won't remember that 25 and 24 actually isn't that old for Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, but Derek Henry and Alvin Kamara are definitely going to fall into this category in my opinion, and I think they will be really interesting to keep an eye on in terms of our overall sense and of how valuable they are as we approach the offseason then once we get into it especially consider the the overall buzz on the 2022 class seems to be that it's meant to be a quote-unquote down year it's going to be an interesting time anyway i hope this was somewhat interesting for you it was as always very well prepared and planned and it like on time and I've, I never do, uh, like, last-minute podcasts when I forget it. That That's not a thing that happens. If you're interested in this data, well, it's literally all in my database. Um, if you have, if you want to see access to it, you can see my 2020 database, which is pinned to my Twitter timeline, at PA Howdy. And from there, there are links to all my, my NFL database, as well as my larger weekly database, and my college database, which has nothing about the 2022 class in it, because... I don't do college until around about the season when they start to get declared. But if you want to see this list, you can go to those places. You can at me on Twitter. Uh, come talk to me about running running backs, I guess. Uh, oh, uh, and just because of that discussion in Discord, I did want to highlight. I have just, I was just re-ranking everything because also DLF gets pretty 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 mad at me because I don't keep up with my uh, ranks nearly as much as they were like, but I've been trying to be better about it this season, so I just updated um, my running back ranks, which again, there's a link to that in my database and pinned and whatever, but I ended up with Christian McCaffrey still being my running back one. I had him below the tier three of young 
the, the three player tier of young wide receivers with draft capital who are performing at that level and certainly in terms of volume at least and I just I did I uh, wasn't feeling it um John Bosch can at me and I'm definitely wrong Christian McCaffrey is a whole 25 years old and Saquon Barkley is a whole 24 years old so we should be terrified but I just couldn't do it I kept Christian McCaffrey as my running back one I do believe I if I was going to take a run if I was going to take a running back. Christian McCaffrey would be the first running back I took off the board if all the other running backs were available. But then I followed up with Jonathan Taylor. Is that right? Yeah, Derek Henry. Because again, I do think that 27 is going to make people scared. And I think the production is there. And followed by DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, where that young volume player comes in. And then Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley still feels low to me. But I'm not scared of Derrick Henry's age. Um, and the note I put on him is projecting elite rushing output is one thing that I cannot do, in other words. But recognizing it, I can definitely do. That's the level of volume he gets and he needs to be in this tier of running back. And so I put him there. And uh, yeah, those are my top running backs this, uh, right now in DLF ranks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, and Saquon Barkley. Now, the one thing I've becoming increasingly aware of and talking about this season, both on the weekly podcast and also here on the Crossroads, is everything's team construction based and every value is, well, trade-based what are you being offered and what can you get back in return in your particular league for example drafting Christian McCaffrey makes a lot of sense if you can do other stuff with your roster construction so drafting these players at these values is different than trading for them at these values and it's different depending on your team construction and I talked about that a little bit earlier I think but I just wanted to highlight that like do I draft Derek Henry third overall at the running back position in a startup draft Probably not in every draft. It really depends what the rest of the draft looks like. For example, in that one I just did where I got um, Derek Henry and Aaron Jones, it's because in the first round I managed to stag one of my elite tier young wide receivers in terms of Justin Jefferson. And based on the way the draft was going, I knew I could get at least a couple of those young mid-tier wide receivers that I like in Cortland Sutton and Devontae Smith ended up being the ones that were still available to me after taking back-to-back running backs. So do I like taking Derrick Henry that high in every draft? Definitely not, but it's definitely where if you're asking me to rank the running backs overall for Dynasty, that's where I'd put him third overall. But in some drafts, it will be somewhat foolhardy in terms of value to draft him there. But right now, based on this mock and the overall trends in Dynasty ADP that I've seen, uh, I feel pretty comfortable that Derrick Henry is going to be a possible startup pick with plenty of value being left behind him because some wide receivers are getting, starting to get pushed down the board. Even if Brandon Ayuk just reminded everyone when D- Debo slightly hobbled, then Brandon Ayuk is still a good player, which was never not true. Anyway, I better get out of here because I'm right at the 30-minute threshold, I see. I just... Ranks are limited, and so are tiers, and the best way is to understand or develop for yourself some way of making a decision (laughs) um, and use that. Hopefully, I'm helping in some way to that by explaining my process and providing as much information as I 
can find that I'm using. Um, but let me know if I can do better or if there's a better way um, of trying to express these things. Because, yeah, Derek Henry's third overall, but I'm probably not getting him in most drafts unless something like in this mock was happen happened where I can get Justin Jefferson and back him up with Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, and Devontae Smith. Like, that's... Everything's league-dependent, and it's really awkward. But anyway... 30-minute mark. I gotta go. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you had a great week. Hope you're on your way to the playoffs, of course. And I will talk to you again on time. Every week, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Shit got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.